0: Well according to uh, traditional psychology there are about 100 fears that have been labeled for instance cynophobia uh, is the fear of dogs brontophobia the fear of a thunderstorm then there's triskaidekaphobia fear of the number 13 and there is also then jeffrophobia fear of crossing a bridge But it's believed that the root of all fears is thanatophobia. You might kind of recognize that word. There's a popular Marvel Avengers movie that made one of the characters named after that. That fear, thanatophobia, is the fear of death. And so when we come to this time of year and we've celebrated Easter and the resurrection, knowing that the fear of death is gone, then what else is there to fear in life? And so now we see when Jesus rose from the grave, he came to give us that life, that abundant life, based upon a confidence that because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Remember in Luke 24, we're told it was the... First day of the week, early in the morning, the women took spices they prepared, went to the tomb, and they found the stone rolled away. And while they were wondering, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them and said, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. I love Smith Wigglesworth's statement, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm moved by what I believe, and I believe God. You know, in the Gospels, Jesus says to his followers, blessed are you because you have seen and believed, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. We're going to see some things about that resurrection life and why it matters every moment of the day. It is the moment in all of history. There's a beautiful example from Carter Conlon. He was given an altar call in Nigeria and all these men were gathered together, but he knew some of those men had compromised their lives with sin. And he was sharing the gospel and he closed with this altar call. He said, if you have no intention to stop stealing or beating your wife or getting drunk or committing adultery, don't even think of disgracing the name of God by claiming a commitment. You are deceiving yourself. But if you want to live for Christ, go to heaven when you die and know the supernatural while you live on this earth, raise your hand and all across the auditorium all these people they they raised their hands because they understood because he lives we've been bought with a price so let's live our lives in accordance with the standard ever set before us that we might be conformed to the image of Christ E W Kenyon said the reason the majority of Christians are weak though they are earnest is because they have never dared to make a confession of who they are in Christ. The authority of the believer is released through the words that move mountains and make demons flee. We're going to see here in a moment how your words can make all the difference, how your actions make all the difference, and believing makes all the difference. And our belief is based upon this promise that he, three days after he was crucified, seen alive again. Let's look at some things here, fascinating things here about the the apostles. You ever wonder what happened after Judas? You remember Judas took his own life. He felt guilt over betraying Jesus. And so the disciples say there needs to be 12 of us. And so they're gonna choose a, a person to replace Judas. Acts chapter one, verse 26, we're told the disciples chose Matthias. They chose Matthias. Now, now, there's good arguments that perhaps they were too hasty at this point, that really the 12th apostle was to be the apostle Paul, but they chose Matthias, and Paul becomes then the 13th apostle. But notice why they chose Matthias. He was not the only one being considered, but all those being considered, Peter says they were considered because of this, Acts 1, verse 21. It is necessary to choose one of the men, notice who have been with us the whole time Jesus lived among us was taken up from us and was also a witness of his resurrection. If they had not seen the resurrected Christ, they could not be considered to replace Judas resurrection and being a witness. That was the, the entry point, the basic entry point to be part of, the apostles we're going to see something happen in paul's life when he becomes that 13th apostle but again when you look all through history all through scripture and in every life what matters is his resurrection paul would go far enough to say if jesus did not rise then nothing else matters but because he is risen everything matters Carl Conlon shares about a friend of his who was a pharmacist and wanted to become a missionary. And so he signed up to be a missionary, and they gave him a task for seven years to translate scripture into Spanish, and he enjoyed that. But after that seven years, he said, I I want to be a, a missionary out on the field. Can I go to Spain? And they said, we don't have any openings in Spain. They said, where we do have an opening is northern Africa. They said, nobody will go there. And it's just too dangerous. Some of those areas in, you know, Northern Africa, it's, it's illegal to be a Christian. You can be persecuted, lose your life. There's There's a Muslim population that will oppose you. And this man said, I'll go. That was about three years ago. And since then, he's been pastoring a church and sharing the gospel in Northern Africa. And a short time ago, he was asked about his life. And he said, I've never been happier in my whole life. You see, because life is not about avoiding risk. It's not about anxieties and fears. And I know we live in a culture and a time where so many are basing their lives upon, you know, the, the what if something bad happens. But the reality is because Jesus is alive, you and I can face all things. And we're gonna see, again, more of that here in just a moment. Wigglesworth said, never look back. If you want the power of God in your life, faith, it moves forward. It's not held by regret. It's not held by the past. It presses into the need because, again, it's based upon this promise that he is alive forevermore. There's a a great story from the Depression where this businessman had this job and it was well paid and they advertised just show up open interviews and this long line of people were there and, and one by one they were going in see the secretary, go to an interview and leave. It was taking a long time. so finally the the business owner came up with this plan to put an end to the interviews and, and all of a sudden this man in the middle of this long line of people waiting to be interviewed, runs to the front of the line, runs through the door, runs past the secretary, runs into the office of the owner, and the owner says, you got the job. And what happened is that owner, he was looking for somebody that that could translate Morse code. And so he began to type out in Morse code, if you can hear this, jump up now, run to my office, you have the job. You see, faith, it hears things that other people don't hear. Faith, it sees things that Other people don't see. Faith, it believes things that other people don't believe. Mark Hankins said our hearing has a lot to do with our having. And that's why we need to regularly say, Lord, give me ears to hear. Give me ears to hear. And I want to live not by sight, but by what I believe. And I believe God. And the basis of that belief is centered upon the foundation that Jesus is alive because he is alive and conquered our greatest fear, death. There's nothing then that we can't face and overcome. Smith Wigglesworth said, some people feed their bodies three hot meals a day and their spirits one cold snack a week and wonder why they are weak in faith. So let's talk about a way we can begin to strengthen our faith right now. You know, Jesus talked about our confession. Scripture talks about our profession. Those words mean to say the same thing. It means to say the same thing as God says. And so when we live in a world that talks about, you know, fears and anxieties, then we say the same thing as God, which says, he has not given me a spirit of fear, but one of strength and courage. When we live in a world where people question everything about life and wonder, does anybody care? Does anybody notice? We speak and confess out loud and say, you know, listen, I serve a savior who said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. When we have people that are are talking and confessing their limitations, we speak forth and say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. As Mark Hankin said, the word spoken to you must be spoken through you. What does the word say? What has God spoken to you? Believe it and say it. It has to become that confession to say the same thing and to do that out loud. And again, we can do that with confidence and strength for one reason, because Jesus is alive forevermore the alpha the omega the beginning the end the first and last so let's see what paul says about his own calling paul called about three years after the resurrection of christ we know he was a persecutor of the church had murdered people and becomes the saint this evangelist because of his conversion because of the grace of god paul wrote about three quarters of what we call the new testament 1 Corinthians chapter 15, here's what Paul says. Christ died for us. He was buried, raised on the third day, according to scripture. Then he appeared to Cephas. Cephas is just another word for Peter. He appeared to Cephas, then to the 12, then he appeared to 500 brothers and sisters. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And notice what he says here. Last of all, he appeared to me. On that Damascus Road experience, Paul saw and spoke with the risen Christ. That was the basis for which he could then claim to be an apostle. Only because of being a witness to the resurrection. Paul gave his pedigree at different times. He said all these great things about his education, his background, his scholastics. But he said it adds up to nothing. The only thing that matters is Christ. And so he says, I saw the one who appeared unto me. Someone once said, a miracle comes your way every day. Faith steps into daily life and says, let me notice the miracles. Let me notice what begins and ends with the risen Christ. You go back to the 1800s, Dr. Lillian Yeoman shared her testimony. She was a drug addict. She was dying in a hospital from her addiction. There was no hope in the natural. She shared somebody gave her a Bible. She began to read that. And as she shared, I found a a miracle on every page. She shares here about that moment where suddenly she was miraculously healed. She's at the, the bottom rung of life and desperate, and she thinks there's no hope. And she shared, when I saw the waves capsizing my boat, I began to sink. Then he caught me, and I heard that voice. And he said to me, walk on the water. You have been looking for improvements and symptoms, a change in the natural order of things. Stop it. That is not it at all. My word is absolutely true. My healing is supernatural. And here's the key. She said, God spoke to her. It doesn't matter how you feel. Step out. And Dr. Lillian Yeoman shared, and I did. She stood up when she thought she couldn't stand. She walked when she thought she couldn't walk. She confessed healing when she was ill, and miraculously, she was healed. Lived into the 1900s, became an evangelist and a healer. As Wigglesworth said, it's time people knew how to shout faith. I find everywhere people who fail, even though they are praying, simply because they are just breathing sentences without uttering speech. You cannot get victory that way. You must learn to take the victory and shout in the face of the devil, it is finished. No man can doubt when he learns to shout. So let me give you something that you and I can begin applying today along with our confession, along with our confidence in Christ and knowing that he is risen so we can face all things and we begin to confess, say the same things as he does about life. What he says, we state and confess out loud is true. What he says about living day to day, we confess and believe that. What he says is yours and mine, we confess, we believe that. But as Gordon said, no one goes through life untested. So let's talk about a a way that you and I can make a change right here today. Because you might think, you know, life where I need it to be compared to where it is now is so different and so vast and the distance so far. But you'll see here, I'll share something from Tony Robbins. It's not near as far as what you might think to make the change. As Tony Robbins says, good effort won't change your life. You have to give outstanding after. You have to give your, your complete commitment, dedication. Lay down your life and allow Christ to then begin to work through you, work through me. Good won't change your life. But taking what we'll talk about here for a moment and really applying this and listening to a couple testimonies. Again, I don't believe what I see. I believe what God says. It's not about the circumstance. It's trusting he who is that one who is alive forevermore. So Tony Robbins teaches something called the the two millimeter rule. This comes from two places. One, he was talking to a plastic surgeon, the best in the country. And he said to this person, listen, you know, we've all seen plastic surgeries. Some look really good. And then we see those plastic surgeries and they look really bad. And he said, what's the difference? And this man said, the secret to life, the secret to plastic surgery is two millimeters. When I'm doing facial surgery, I never make an adjustment more than two millimeters. And he said, studies have shown clearly that using a two millimeter at most adjustment can bring out somebody's best appearance. You do more than that, you know, it doesn't look right. And he said, two millimeters makes a radical difference and can really bring out somebody's best look. Then sometime later he was taking a golf lesson, and this this golf instructor, you know, he was talking to say, and saying, sometimes you hit the ball, it goes straight. You try to do the same thing the next hit, and it goes way off course. And he said, here's the here's the lesson about golf. Here's the secret to golf. He said it's the two millimeter rule. You know, if you need to change the the face of the club, just adjust it two millimeters. If you need to drop your shoulder, just drop it two millimeters. Anything more than that's your you're overcompensating. And he said, it's the two millimeter adjustment. That'll get you right back on course. And he said, you know, Tony Robbins from these two examples, you know, facial surgery is two millimeters to change the, the golf swing to make it better is two millimeters. And you think about two millimeters, you know, going out just a, a say in a golf shot, you go out 10 feet, it's not much different, but you take that two millimeter change out a hundred yards. It's a big difference. And so making that two millimeter change in life, you know, over four weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, 16 weeks, it becomes a big difference. And you and I can begin today to make a two millimeter adjustment wherever it needs to be made in life. If it's your relationship, maybe you begin with where the studies show the most five, most important five minutes of the day are the first five minutes you share together as a couple when you come home after work. And you begin to say, I'm going to change that five minutes because too many people come home and they argue and say, I had the worst day. Rather, make those five minutes the most loving, caring moments. Maybe that two millimeter change is to change your language. Too many people say, you know, things never work for me or it always goes like this. And you say, you know what? I'm going to stop saying never and always. Maybe it's a two millimeter shift where you say, I'm going to begin to pray an extra five minutes a day. And that over four weeks, eight weeks, three months, what change would that be in your life, in my life? Maybe it's a sin that you keep getting caught up in and you say, I wanna make a two millimeter adjustment and cut out of my life that bad influence and make a radical stand and learn to say no. Let me give an example of some people that. Use that that two-millimeter adjustment to see life different. This is Sam Burns. He passed away a few years ago. Sam Burns had progeria disease, one of 350 people. Think about it. There's seven-plus billion people. Only 350 have progeria. Progeria radically ages a person. The average person with it dies at 12. Sam Burns, he lived to be 17. But he didn't just live to be 17. He lived to be 17 and known as one of the most happy, loving people on earth because he didn't live to fear death. Rather, he said, it's not how long you live, it is how you live. An adjustment from focusing on the lack to focusing on the the gratitude. He also said being brave isn't supposed to be easy. When challenges arise, we step up and say, I can face this for one reason, because Jesus walked out alive from that tomb. And now he lives in you, he lives in me. He's claimed that his victory is now our victory. It's not how long you live, it's how you live. Consider Alice Summer, she died a few years ago at 108. She was a prisoner of war in Germany in a concentration camp. All her family died there except her and her son. She could play piano and so the guard said, listen, if you play piano and you entertain the troops, And you do it with a smile on your face, and you never criticize Germany, we'll let you live. But if you cause problems, you speak negatively, your son won't make it. We'll make sure of that. So every day she played piano as a prisoner of war. Beyond that, though, she said, My job every day was to make my son smile. Even in that dark place, she said, I needed him to know that there is light. Up until she died at 108, she played piano an hour and a half a day and she went swimming every day. She herself said it like this, complaining doesn't change people. She said, be thankful for everything. The interviewer said, what do you mean? She said, you can see the sun, hear a kind word, experience a smile, Two millimeter adjustment to begin to notice things maybe you haven't noticed. And as you do that every day, maybe every day just say, I'm grateful for these three things and come up with three new things every day, that small adjustment, that two millimeter shift. And you take that out 30 days, 60, 90 days, and what a difference takes place in your spirit. As Tony Robbins said, problems and happiness have no relationship. You can take somebody who has the ultimate resources, the perfect life, and they can find a way to still be miserable. You can find somebody that has ultimate pain in life, but they still find a way, like Alice Summer, to be joyful and fulfilled. There's a reason for that. It's because he lives that we can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm moved by what I believe. And I believe God. And just like in that first century, those apostles said, here's the entry point to life. It's to be a witness of his resurrection. We can say blessed are those who see and believe. But Jesus said even more blessed are those who have not seen but yet believe because we witness the resurrected Christ in our daily life and proclaim because he lives, all fear is gone.